Well, they said they were breaking up for good, but then in 2019 they reunited. So. You're joking. It's giving John Farnham so hard. I really wrote that. I wrote it's giving John Farnham. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of To Be Honest, the podcast. My name is Kara R. Reedy, and as always, sitting across from me virtually is my beautiful co-host and bestie for the restie, Amanda Duckdog. How are you doing today? Hello. I love when you say to me, how are you doing today? Because I feel like I'm on like sunrise or something. Oh, yes. I am <laughs> a sunrise host, <laughs> a morning TV host. <laughs> To answer your question, I am feeling pretty good today. I am getting into like a nice flow of life at the moment. And yeah, things are feeling pretty good. Lots to look forward to. How are you going? That's lovely to hear. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well uh, in general, but um, in case it's not clear by my voice and my nasally, my nasally kind of disposition <laughs> right now, I'm sick. So um. I'm just kind of dealing with that. doesn't help that yesterday in Melbourne, where it's currently where I am, it was 30 and today it's 16 degrees. Classic Melbourne. 16. That's what it was when I got up this morning. It might be slightly more today. As in like right now. But um, mm. look, it doesn't help. But I'm, I'm look, I am a trooper. If there's one thing I do is I get through. I'm kidding. I'm just being dramatic, guys. <laughs> but I am sick. <laughs> Um, but I'm excited for this episode. Another episode of Pop Culture Made Me. Excited mm. to hear what you have to say. No idea. That's how yeah. this episode works. No idea what you're doing. Yeah. You have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I'm very excited. Before we get into the episode, do you want to share with me what you have to be honest about today? Absolutely. So what I have to be honest about is that last week I had a religious experience. Okay. Can I just say like one of my favorite things about us doing uh, the podcast virtually now is that like usually Kara and I know absolutely everything that's going on yeah. in each other's lives every single day because we live together but at the moment because Kara is down in Melbourne for a little while and I'm still up on the Gold Coast you know I don't find out about the day-to-day things no. going on in Miss Reedy's life so this is a really nice opportunity to hear about something very specific so a religious experience yes and the religious experience happened at a lord concert because Mm. i saw her in concert last week it was the solar power tour which has i think it was um postponed twice in the end because of covid and stuff like that and touring restrictions so i saw her in like a beautiful open air venue well the same venue i saw her in last time for the melodrama tour oh that's cool yeah um i was much closer this time though which was great and it was just a beautiful, beautiful afternoon. I went with one of my best friends. Um, and it was funny because, like, I mean, I love the album, but, like, we because it, like, has been such, like, a long time since we bought the tickets, we kind of, like, for a little while weren't feeling super excited for the concert, like, as much as we usually would. Um, mm. And then after the show, we were like, holy crap, that was absolutely amazing. Like, we are so glad that we went. It was just – she's just incredible. And she had this um, amazing part of the show – where I actually thought of you, Ducky, where she Mm. talked about how she thinks a lot about how our bodies say things that we don't usually say or our bodies know things Mm. before we actually know them. And she Mm -hmm. said, like, you know, there have been times when my body has been screaming, I love you to someone, but my words say, I don't love you anymore. And Mm. then she went into hard feelings, loveless. 
And she said, oh. which I, iconic melodrama song. She said in the breakdown of this song, let your body do the talking. And like, she's like, just like, you know, do whatever you need to do. And that's what I love about Lord is like, everyone knows her for like these crazy dance moves that she does on stage, but seeing mm-hmm. her like dance like that, it's just a fucking vibe. Like the vibes were immaculate and she was mm. incredible. Her voice was amazing. And like, I just, I love, I love seeing her live and she was I got a tour t-shirt and she has the um, traditional names of the places she has, the indigenous names of the places she performed at on the back instead of Melbourne, Sydney, Love that. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. She referred to Melbourne as Nam, which is the traditional um, indigenous name of Melbourne. So, mm-hmm. yeah, she's just, I fucking love her. I fucking mm. love her. And that was my religious experience. Lovely. That sounds great. I actually haven't really told you about that concert, so um, no. That's a nice little update for you. Uh, what do Thank you have you. to be honest about? So I have to be honest about the fact that I've decided that I'm dyeing my hair brown. Oh fuck me, fuck <laughs> me. Sorry, guys. So sorry. <laughs> this is this is a, the best example of the chaos of not us not being around each other all the time because I would have known about this the second you had the thought in your head, but I haven't yeah. known about it. Okay, here's the thing. We're on FaceTime right now, guys, in case you didn't know, um, which you definitely didn't. But um, I was looking at your hair and I was thinking, it's giving brunette and I'm loving it. Yeah, so this is kind of the process that's been happening. So obviously I was blonde. I've been blonde for like 10 years dyed my hair like strawberry blonde more kind of like ginger and here's the thing i've been really really loving being ginger but the maintenance is just like not okay and Mm. i i literally just like am at this stage in my life where and you know i think i've talked about this on the podcast before i'm really trying to embrace my natural beauty and i'm really trying to learn to love myself without all of these things that i feel like i've needed in order to love myself. Like Mm -hmm. uh, I was unpacking this with a friend the other night and it was funny because her husband was sitting there with us and I was saying like, I feel like, you know, I dyed my hair blonde when I was young and I kept being blonde because I've been so taught like by society that like that's what is beautiful, you know, like Mm -hmm. in society here in Australia and especially on the Gold Coast, if I'm honest. I had this moment where I was like, I'm not loving the whole ginger situation right now because honestly if you could hear me in the flesh right now my hair is like a hundred different colors it's just (laughs) like there's so much going on and I just kind of feel like I want to focus on like the health of my hair and I really am like I just want to dye it to be like similar to my natural roots color and then just allow my roots to grow out and try and go back to like my natural hair color as a way to fuck the patriarchy and also (laughs) as a way for me to learn to love myself the way that I am, which I feel like is a journey that I'm on at the moment that I'm really, really trying to embrace a lot more. Yeah. yeah that's my update that'll be happening beginning of april at my next hair appointment oh shit she's got an appointment okay yeah well i i had booked in originally to keep going ginger Mm. but but i'm like i think it's gonna be because right now my hair's like i don't know if you can see Kara on facetime right now but it's like it's very light uh, like 
it's very light in the ends and dark at the yeah. roots with like a ginger tinge. It's very interesting. Yeah. But no, yeah, I think it's gonna your darker be... roots are really nice. Like I really like them. That's what I've always like when you first got your hair done, I loved it. But I actually said that I liked your root color way more than any other color. I think the darker suits you so well. And here's the thing. Yeah. As a former blonde girly myself and someone who has bleached the shit out of her hair and I loved being blonde and it mm. loved me because I looked fucking hot. But the thing yeah. is, is that going back to a natural color which is currently what i've been doing as well there really is something emotionally and financially really comforting about it because financially like you really can just like chill and like you know do whatever and like not have to worry about upkeeping it yeah so just like it's our natural color like of course it's gonna look good on us what do you mean exactly that's what i've been thinking about like i'm like Obviously, I really loved being blonde. I really love being strawberry blonde. It's an honor and a privilege to suit both of those colors. <laughs> However, uh, I feel like if I get to a point where like all my natural hair grows out, I think it's going to look really good and it'll just be like really, really nice to just, yeah, allow my natural. hair to do its thing. And I want to grow my hair too. I'm like, it's always so bleached to shit. So anyway, that's my life update today. I actually um, had a little stalk of your YouTube with my boyfriend the other day because we were watching a couple of your videos um, just that's out of curiosity. So <laughs> <laughs> and I actually saw one. Um, I think he went to one of your most popular. He searched by like views. And mm. it was the first video you made in our apartment when we moved in. And your hair was mm. so long and so blonde. Literally my hair. I, I was, took a photo. No, I did send this, it to you. This is the epiphany that I had like when I decided I was going to dye it brown was that I was watching like a old YouTube video of mine and I was like when the fuck did my hair get so short like I literally don't feel like I've had it cut that much you know what I mean and it was like so long and like way healthier at that point and I wasn't dyeing it as much then like even though it was very very blonde I wasn't like I was only getting my hair done I reckon like every four or five months or something like that yeah yeah I'm ready to enter my new brunette era I'm ready to see it I'm ready for you to join the club. Anyway, let's get into today's episode. Today we're doing an episode of Pop Culture Made Me, which is where Kara and I both talk about an iconic thing in pop culture that we loved or have loved in the past and share a little bit of info on it and why uh, we love it in the hopes that perhaps it will inspire you to have a little look at, look at it or listen to it or anything like that. <laughs> uh, and also just have a little, little bit of fun talking about things that bring us joy. So Miss mm-hmm. Kara Aridi, what are you sharing with me today? Today, I will be sharing with you perhaps, perhaps the most niche segment and thing that I've ever talked about on this pop culture episode. Uh-huh. And that is the band Metro Station and specifically their self-titled debut 2007 album. This is fucking outrageous. Like, this is the <laughs> most outrageous. Like, although I will tell you I had such a crush on Mason Muso, it's, oh. like, also outrageous. But the fact we're talking about Metro Station I know. today. So here's the thing. What made, you, what made you decide to talk about Metro Station? That's okay. what I need here's, to know. Here's why. Because the other night when I was going to the concert with my friend that I mentioned, Kayla, me and her, because I've been friends with her since I was, like, 12, 13, 
we loved Metro Station together. And as we were walking to this concert, we were talking, something reminded us of that one of their songs and we started singing the song and we were just talking about how that album was iconic and so influential on us. And we went to one of their concerts <laughs> when, when we loved that album and it was literally uh. one of the best memories we have together is going to that concert. And so when I was thinking about what to talk about, I was like, I have to talk about Metro Station. Like I'd never think about them anymore, but when I do think about them, I need to listen to their album and I need to, I need people to understand have you ever listened to this album like here's the thing i went to the concert the iconic concert that was the veronica's headlining metro station supporting and then short stack supporting them and yes. it was one of the best things that i've ever seen however i don't remember any of their songs and i don't know why i had such a crush on mason muse okay <laughs> well what? let me say some, one thing i also was at their concert and i went i love the veronica's but i also i went to see metro station that was after i saw them originally at their like headlining concert like a couple of years before maybe a year before mm-hmm. I also loved Mason Musso. I waited for them at the back of the venue and I got a photo with him and he was not he was not happy. And I thought oh, Mason find, Musso. Yeah. If I could find that photo, if I can find the photo, I will post it to our stories on um tbh.pod on Instagram because it's so funny. First of all, I look frightful. But second of all, he is just like not having it. Didn't want this to be Wait, it is so funny. <laughs> it is so <laughs> it's so funny that Mesa Musa and Trey Cyrus were like in the same band and then like their siblings were on uh, Hannah uh, Montana. Ah, uh, 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 don't be getting into my segment for me. How Sorry, but I but I but I also need to share that like I find it so funny because I feel like with that they are sort of attached to the Disney Channel yes. brand by default and they can't do anything about it. Yeah, literally. <laughs> well, let's get into it then. So basically, um, yeah, the band's called Metro Station and most people would know them from their single Shake It, which just for the record, when I was writing these episode notes, I kept writing Shake It Off, obviously Taylor Swift. That's not what it's called. If I say Shake It Off <laughs> this episode, I mean Shake It. Like, yeah. it's, that's, that's just the song. Everyone, most people would know it. I feel like if you were in, like, Australia, US, UK, Europe, like, New Zealand, like, you're going to know Shake It. It is such a huge song. Um, and it's also about masturbating, right? Is it? Yeah, isn't that what it's about? I don't know. I've never really thought about it, if I'm honest. Like, this music is not exactly music that you want to, like, really think about in depth. Like, I think uh, there's a lot of questionable content in this album, but I like to ignore that and just enjoy it on face value. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the band Metro Station was formed by Trey Cyrus and Mason Musso, which is the people we're just talking about. Um, do those names sound familiar? Well, yes, they probably do, especially the last names. And as Ducky said, they are the older brothers of two Disney Channel stars. So obviously Trey Cyrus, as the last name probably suggests, is Miley Cyrus's older brother. And Mason Musso, this might be a blast from the past for some people, is the um, older brother of Mitchell Musso, who played, what was his name on Hannah Montana? Oh, could not tell you. Nah, me either. But anyway, he was the best male friend on Hannah Montana. People are going to be off me for not knowing this. I'm not a Hannah Montana stan. Sorry about it. Um, it's fine. Please forgive me. 
So they were the older brothers of Miley Cyrus and um, Mitchell Musso. And so in 2005, Trace, Cyrus and Mason Musso agreed to meet on the set of Hannah Montana. Because obviously both of their siblings were going to work there every day. That is outrageous. I know. And if you if you listen to the music they make and like the content that they like the things they talk about, like it's all that sex, drugs, partying, like, you know, Trey Cyrus, not that tattoos mean anything in terms of like your I don't know, professionalism and stuff, but Trey Cyrus is covered in tattoos. They're like these like punky kind of like guys i'm just imagining them showing up to like a disney lot like where like hannah montana is being filmed they're like yeah let's let's start a band that is so funny um so yeah they that's where they met and they realized they shared musical interests and they decided to make the band and they started releasing their music on wait for it myspace because this is the era we're in (laughs) iconic i kind of miss myspace so do i you know what i think we should make myspace hot again I think mm. it literally doesn't exist anymore. But if someone said I'm redoing MySpace, I would make a profile. I would. Mm. You're not convinced, are you? <laughs> I mean, I just think the top eight friends was like one of the most criminal things to do to teenage girls ever. Like, remember, oh, like it absolutely is a is a traumatic experience for every teenage girl ever. My friends would get annoyed at me if they weren't first. <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah. It's it's a source of tension in every. Any millennial who had a MySpace, especially, yeah, millennial girls, it's, like, it's a source of tension between your long-term friends. Mm-hmm. Like, I, one of my best friends, I'm still, like, I can't believe you didn't have me in your top five. Can't believe can't it. Can't believe it. I'm going to get over it. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah, they started releasing music on MySpace after they recruited um, their drummer, Anthony Improgo, and their bassist, Blake Healy, which I'm just thinking, like, any relation to Maddie Healy from the 1975? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Probably yeah. not. I didn't look it up, so I have no idea. Um, they started releasing music, and they quickly started topping the MySpace unsigned band charts, which I feel like this was a really cool thing about MySpace, is that independent artists had a very mainstream place to put their music that was very accessible. Like everyone used MySpace yeah. at that point. So it's like, obviously, like you can put music on Spotify and stuff like that, and like anyone can do that, and that's great, but independent artists and like SoundCloud, but like myspace as a place where people have profiles people are like virtually hanging out and like doing their profiles and putting like songs on them mm. is like such a cool concept yeah it's so iconic um yeah and then to have like band charts and stuff like that which again like they went straight to the top of with their music which is cool and so like after they were making music and releasing it and kind of on the top of these charts on MySpace, an intern at Columbia Records discovered them. I guess a lot of, like, record labels would kind of go through those MySpace charts an and think, intern. like, these... An intern. Good for them. Good for them, except my, Metro Station probably made some money for Columbia Records and that intern definitely wasn't getting paid. So... Yeah. That sucks. Um, but anyway... Um, I think that's cool that, like, that's kind of how bands were discovered. So they were signed to Columbia Records shortly after. And then in September 2007, they released their self-titled debut album, Metro Station. Fun fact, when I type in Metro Station into Google, the band doesn't come up because it just it comes up with a bunch of train stations in my area. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> someone didn't think about SEO in that way. <laughs> Wait, the fact that they're so irrelevant now that that's what it's like. That is so funny. I I just have a quick note. Have you ever thought about how long ago 2007 was? 
I have, and I don't want to talk about 2007 it. 2007 it is so not ago. okay. We were literally 14. Literally, this album was released in 2007, which was 16 years ago. I was 14 when I went to this concert and listened to this album. That's criminal. It is criminal. That's the only way to describe it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Like I mentioned, Shake It was the third single from their album. So it's even though like the first two kind of like flopped, it was definitely their biggest hit. And it actually like... Because it was the third single and it was released like a few months after the album came out, it actually boosted the album sales quite a lot. And so the it album... was their third single. Yeah, yeah. That is T. Okay. I know it's quite outrageous because it's such a um, obvious first single. I feel, but like, it's obviously not. Um, and yeah, so it boosted the album sales, which put it up to a whopping eighty-seven thousand copies sold in the US. <laughs> Which I actually Googled. I was like, you know, I feel like I am too used to Taylor Swift selling like millions and millions and millions of records, right? Yes, yes. Tried to look up what the average amount was. Couldn't get a straight answer. No one had a straight answer for me. So, look, I think that it's it's, – look, I've never – I've not sold one record ever in my life. So they've sold 87,000 times the records that I've sold. Mm. So good for them. Um, but they were more successful, I think, in Australia and stuff like that. So that's where I had my religious, my other religious experience, this concert that I still think about often. They kind of, the genre was described as like pop punk, synth pop. Sometimes they even were described as scene pop. Do you guys remember like the scene era? Yes. Yes. Frightful. Sorry, I shouldn't say frightful, but like, you know, just, it's quite interesting. Did you ever Um, go through a scene phase? Like with your look? No, I bet you did though. Oh, yeah. Well, we know that I'm one to to follow trends, (laughs) which is the unlearning that's happening at the moment. But, like, I had the full, like, bleach blonde hair sweeping front fringe. Did you have, like, the big, like, teased Uh hair? Yeah, that makes sense. Not as big as you would imagine, but, like, I definitely (laughs) had some things going on. Like, definitely was frightful to look at. So that's cool. I'm sure you weren't, honey, but sure. I was, but that's okay. (laughs) Who wasn't frightful to look at when we were 14? So even though I'm not going to go and tell you guys all, like like with like the Christina Aguilera Dirty album I talked about in the original pop culture episode, mm-hmm. I stand by that that's an amazing album, lyrically, sonically, everything. Look, I might not say that about this album. It might be a nostalgia album. Maybe you won't go listen to it, but it's poppy, it's dancey, it's fun. It's like, I don't know, just like, it just, it's, so fun to me and that's why I loved it I love um, a good nostalgia album and there's yeah. like I was what I was thinking about what I was going to do for pop culture today I was actually considering doing a big nostalgia album for me which I don't even know well, the name of the album I just know that when I was young I was obsessed with Ricky Lee's album oh my god that is so funny that's so Australian I know did you know that she's hosting the new Australian Idol yeah that is like a full circle moment. Good for her. Yeah, no, yeah. it's completely, that's completely full circle. So literally my friends and I still talk about this concert. Like we still have in-jokes from this concert. <laughs> it was, I can't tell you if they were good live. That I thought they were good live. I thought they were amazing. But they mm-hmm. probably weren't, if I'm being completely honest. But it was fun. It was packed. I don't know, like I kind of, even at the moment, at the time, I was like, how do they have this many fans in Australia? Like, they have one song that people know. Like, I was so confused. I'm still a bit confused, but I'm happy for them. It was so, so fun. I remember, like, because we were so young, afterwards my friend Kayla was, like, obsessed with the fact that Trey Cyrus, like, 
touched her hand throughout the concert and she was like dying because we were 14 and like she loved <laughs> Trey Cyrus. It was so funny. So you were a Mason Musa girl and she was a Trey Cyrus yeah. girl. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So a couple of years after that first album was released, their bassist left the band. And then a month later, the drummer left the band. And then about so it's two just months, Mason and Trace left. And then about two months later, they went on a Metro Station went on a hiatus because they said they had dispute between Trace and Mason. <gasps> Metro Station, not Trace <laughs> The Trace and breakup shocked the nation. Let me tell you that. <laughs> not Trace and shocking the nation. Um, yeah, so hiatus for Metro Station after one great album. A couple of years later, on hiatus, they went. They did touring in between the time between the album was released and stuff like that. They did like the mm. big pop punk like festivals in America and stuff like that. Um, like honestly, like my wet dream of like bands performing all at the same place when I was a kid. <laughs> like, but I could never go, obviously, because I lived in fucking Australia. Then after they went on a hiatus, Mason bought the band name from Trey Cyrus, and then he released new music under Metro Station, but on his own. Did so it was just it? Mason. Yeah. It was Mason Station. Yeah. <laughs> Did I listen to it? No. Did anyone listen to it? I would say probably not many people. But the great news is, is that a couple of years later, the drummer and bassist rejoined. Oh, so Trace was the problem. And then in 2014, Trace rejoined. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is it's it's giving dysfunctional. Don't you worry. These, like there's more to chaotic. it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. They are so chaotic. Here's the thing, though. It's like you listen to this music and the things they're singing about and you're like, it just makes sense. This is not even remotely surprising to me. And like seeing having seen them live and like how fucking like weird they were. I'm like, yeah, you would just be super dysfunctional. I can't see how this worked well. I just really can't. So, yeah, Trace rejoined. They made a couple more singles, an EP. They went on tour. Then a month later after the tour ended, they announced they were breaking up. For good, or did they get back together in 2020? Well, they said they were breaking up for good, but then in 2019 they reunited. <laughs> You're joking. It's giving John Farnham so hard. <laughs> I literally wrote that. I wrote it's giving John Farnham. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, John Farnham is like an uh, iconic Australian artist who like notoriously retires and then goes on a reunion or like a, what's it called, like a comeback tour like two yeah. years later. It's His like final every couple tour. years. Yeah, every couple of years he's like, I'm retiring, final tour. I'm retiring, final tour. He can't get enough. Can't get enough. No. So, yeah, they released um, a single in 2019 after they um, got back together again called I Hate Society. Vibes. Don't we all? <laughs> and that was in 2019. That was um, ahead of the time. They meant they really yeah. hate society now. We um, hate society now. Yeah, imagine. <laughs> and they released a new single, I Really Fucking Hate Society. <laughs> We still hate society. <laughs> um, and look, no news since then. So, you know, all things considered, it sounds like they're still together. They're still dysfunctional, I'm sure. Haven't really um, heard much about it. I can't imagine that three years later they haven't had some sort of a breakup, breakdown, reunion. Like, look, it seems mm. like that's just the way they go. Happy for them regardless. Hope that they're happy together. Maybe they'll release a good album again. Who knows? Have I listened to anything but that album from them? I don't think I've listened to a single other song that they've made ever. I think that our homework and everyone's homework after this episode should be to go and listen to the Mason Muso Metro Station No, I think it needs to be to go and listen to I Hate Society, (laughs) their most recent single. (laughs) 
I actually am going to do that after we start recording. I'm like so curious. I do not endorse any other music besides the album that I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, despite all the dysfunction and all the crazy bullshit and stuff like that, the reason Metro Station was an iconic pop culture moment in my childhood was because of the memories and the impact the album had on me. Like it was mm. one of those albums that I really just like almost stumbled across like they didn't have heaps of marketing. They obviously weren't super mainstream and like they were quite small. Like we were just talking about with like the, they had one fucking single and I just loved them. And like I stuck, like I said, I still talk about them with my um, friends. Um, we still know every fucking lyric to every song mm. on that album. Like literally I could sing you every lyric. Like it's crazy how it's imprinted on my brain. Mm-hmm. And my friend and I were talking the other day about how, it's like some people, some artists, like, you know, they don't have the longevity of, like, other artists, like the Taylor Swifts, the Harry Styles, the Adele's and stuff like that. Like, they're not that mainstream. Or even, like, you know, people who aren't super mainstream but have a really long career. But there are some artists who just make, like, magic in some capacity on, like, one record. And mm. it's like, you know, I'm, again, I'm not trying to say that this is, like, a groundbreaking, amazing, revolutionary record or, like, album. But, like, it's, like, the right place, right time, right sound, right lyrics, everything. And it's just like it worked, and I'm and I like I love it. I still love it now, and I think that's why it had such an impact on me, um, and that's why I feel like it's something I needed to talk about today after I rediscovered Iconic. it the other day. <laughs> yes, yes. So How anyway, good. thank that's, you. That's mine. That's mine this week. Um, thank I'm you keen, so much for sharing. <laughs> I'm keen to hear if any of you guys have listened to this album or like. Maybe even, like, the Americans listening, they might be more um, knowledgeable or, like, more aware of them because I'm sure they were probably a little bit, like, because they toured and stuff in the US. Maybe they had a bit more, I don't know, coverage over there. But let me know what you guys think because I know that they're probably a very problematic band, but all I know is that I love that album. (laughs) I I think Metro Station really had, like, a full moment in our early teens and I feel like there's a lot of people listening who are probably like, yes, they were the moment for me as well. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, I'm keen to hear what you're going to talk about next. Do you want to um, let me know? What do you have to talk about this week? So today I am talking about the iconic television show Misfits. That <gasps> is the show that is constantly nagging me to rewatch it. Have you oh. watched Misfits before? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you have. Okay, this makes this even better because there are going to be spoilers in this segment. And I like because I feel like this, the way I'm going to talk about this show would make people want to watch it but I had a fear Cara like you have no choice but to listen to it whereas the <laughs> listeners can turn it off if they don't want spoilers <laughs> well I I I watched the first I don't know how many seasons are there there's five okay I think I've watched the first three seasons and maybe the last two I didn't watch but like I loved this show you need to you need to watch the whole thing because okay. like I I understand a lot of the main cast leave after season three and it becomes a bit of a different show but there's still so many iconic things that that happen. So yeah, I'm excited to uh, hear about it from your perspective. For those of you who don't know what Misfits is, it is a UK television show and it follows the lives of five delinquents on community service at a community centre who get caught outside during a supernatural thunderstorm and then acquire <laughs> special abilities. It sounds so, so ridiculous to begin it with, does. doesn't it? <laughs> I showed my boyfriend the trailer for this and I was like, we have to watch this show. And he was absolutely not sold based on the trailer. And I was like, you don't understand. It is so so good so many people say that misfits is a combination of the us tv show 
Heroes and then the mm. UK TV show Skins. Yeah, which I feel I agree like is a that. pretty accurate. I also love both Heroes and Skins, so it makes sense that I love Misfits so much. Yeah. <laughs> so Misfits is a show that focuses on five young adults, and each of them gain a superpower which mirrors their character. Which this is like the initial superpowers that they get because spoiler alert, like things change over time as they join <laughs> superhero shows. Uh, but what I really like is the way that the show, even though it is like an action packed show, it's a dark comedy. There's like a lot of like uh, suspense, but there's also a lot of humor as oh. well as that. There is a lot of like underlying themes about like young people in lower socioeconomic mm-hmm. situations who are like facing like real issues, if that makes yeah. sense. And like the way that their lives and the way that they've been raised and the society they've grown up in has made them, you know, certain ways. Um, yeah, I completely agree. One of the things, I think it's like a really classic, I think it's on the E4, right? In America, in yeah. um, the UK. Like it's one of those classic things where it's like the UK humor is just is just amazing this is a thing uk tv is unmatched like i'm so sorry but some of the best tv shows have come out of the uk absolutely and i think you're right that like it's hilarious like genuinely hilarious Mm -hmm. but even though it sounds and it's ridiculous but even though it sounds ridiculous they also have like yeah like those little pockets of like almost like social commentary i think you'd say like yeah Mm -hmm. like you said similar to skins like lower socioeconomic areas like people who maybe are a bit more disadvantaged and like they don't Mm -hmm. preach it at you but like it's there and like that's really yeah yeah and that's the thing when i was re-watching a lot of clips like now being the age that i am i was really because i watched this like when it came out and i was like i don't know how i think i would have been in my late teens as a guess yeah i reckon yeah and I feel like looking at it now, I can really see, especially how like the superpowers mirror who they are and like their insecurities and things like that is really, Mm. really cool. So I want to explain to you, like I mentioned at the beginning of the series, there are like five main cast, but then the cast does change throughout the series. It's one of those things where I feel like people drop off because a lot of the main cast leave including like the most popular character from the show who leaves. However, they have really, really great other characters that get introduced and really cool storylines. So I definitely recommend continuing to watch it. But I just want to tell you about the first five characters that are introduced and their superpowers, which sort of gives you an indication of how they, the social commentary comes into Mm. it. So you have Callie who is constantly judged for her level of like, class quote-unquote class Mm. and she gains the ability of telepathy and then can know what people are thinking about her Mm. which is i can't i love her and this actress also won a bafta for best actress yeah um i i think that yeah like like you said that superpower really reflects like in the show that she's always thinking about whether people are thinking about her Yes, exactly. She's like quite insecure in like the way that she is and the way that she presents and stuff like that. Then you also have Curtis and he is trying to escape a mistake from his past. Therefore, his superpower is that he can rewind time after Mm. experiencing an immense sense of regret. Then you Mm -hmm. also have Alicia, who Alicia is my favorite character in the show. (laughs) 
She is a woman who is extremely comfortable with her sexuality and her body, but because of that, she does get sexualized a lot and people don't Mm. tend to get to know her for who she really is. And one of the things, there's a scene in one of the later seasons that I really, really like between her and her future love interest where he talks about how beautiful girls like often don't like get the credit, if that makes Mm. sense. Like people like look at only their beauty and that's kind of the vibe with Alicia. And then her power, which isn't a power at all, is that whenever she touches people it sends them into a sexual frenzy which is like quite confronting actually as like a storyline um and just the way that she navigates things i think that she just has the best storylines throughout the entire show like her character is so well developed in my opinion then there's simon who he's like an outcast kind of guy and of course he can become invisible because that's how he often feels And then at the beginning of the series, there is Nathan, who is the character that everyone loves so very much. He's fucking hilarious. Like, this is the thing about this show. It's so funny as well. Like, whenever you need a good laugh, it's just, Mm -hmm. like, the best thing. It's so well written. So he appears unchanged, which is one of the major storylines for season one. The fact that he can't figure out Mm -hmm. what his power is and he thinks that he didn't get a power. Once again, spoiler alert. (laughs) yeah and he's pissed off he's like how could i not get a power as well as that he's a character that appears to be very cocky and arrogant and self-centered but at the end of season one he dies as a sacrifice so that his friends don't die Mm. and this is when we learn that his power is that he is immortal Mm -hmm. which i feel like once again shows like the real him if that makes sense Mm -hmm. that he's like he actually really deeply cares about people in letting himself care for people, he finds out his power is yes. that he is immortal. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I really love all of this. And as well as that, as I mentioned, I love the socioeconomic commentary. I was trying to figure out how to like summarize how I'm feeling. And in my research, I actually found this really great article, which talked about some of the things regarding things that actually happen in the UK in terms of like lower socioeconomic communities and people who suffer from mental illness and stuff like that. So this article is by Mel Campbell and it was on a website called Kill Your Darlings. We'll leave it linked down in the show notes if you do want to read the whole thing. But this excerpt really summarized how I was feeling so I'm going to read it to you. So Misfits also offers a shrewd exuberant debunking of moral panics surrounding the UK's ASBO generation. Mm. So introduced in 1998 the anti-social behavior order was a Blair government initiative restricting behavior deemed to harass alarm or distress the general public. ASBOs prohibit individuals from behaving in specified ways. Violation of the order is a criminal offense punishable by up to five years jail. Oh my God, what? uh They are imposed for petty offenses, including public drunkenness, theft, vandalism, noise pollution, littering, bill posting, and fair evasion. Wait, 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 wait. So is this saying that like the show is centered around kids who are, sentenced to community service because of this program of like this asbo thing yeah so i think it's just that there is a commentary in this show because there are a couple of characters who talk about asbos like for example like nathan there's a scene where he says something about like i'm pretty sure this breaches the terms of my asbo and Mm. the idea is that if you breach the terms of your asbo then you're gonna get put into prison for up to five years even if you could do something just like fair evade which is obviously like that's crazy yeah so 
In this article, she continues and she says that whilst the oldest ASBO recipient to date is an 87-year-old man forbidden to be sarcastic to his neighbours and who subsequently violated the order three times, the orders are widely perceived as a panicked crackdown on youthful pleasures like drinking, street art, breakdancing, congregating in public places and organising unlicensed dance parties. However, they also disproportionately target the socio economically mm. disadvantaged and the mentally ill yeah well because we we think of things as more problematic and more detrimental when they are done by poor people people who yes. are you know in some way disadvantaged so she continues in this and says that being the subject of an asbo can be either a social stigma or a perverse badge of pride early in season one of misfits a humiliated curtis reminds the group that he doesn't have an asbo repeatedly mm. insisting i shouldn't be here Meanwhile, as the group dumps Tony's body into a shallow grave, Nathan says, I'm pretty sure this breaches the terms of my ASBO. So Mm. they sort of just have like this subtle commentary about it, which I think is really good uh, in terms of the fact that we don't often see like especially with these two characters like one of them which these two characters are very different in the show as well. Like one of them is very like embarrassed to be there, whereas the Mm -hmm. other one is like, this is the way that he's grown up. This is the community yeah. he's grown up in. Like he's very comfortable with it. Yeah. Um, and I just appreciate the way that this show does add this in. I think it's really cool. Like there's so many TV shows in the world, but when, when shows do add something about things that are actually issues in the community where they're filming the show or setting the show, I think that's a really important thing for for shows to be doing for sure like especially a show that's primarily aimed at you know younger audiences like teenagers early 20s i'd assume and it's like i feel like you know if you think about a lot of shows these days like i mean maybe these days like yeah there's a bit more like virtue signaling and they do kind of try and put those topics in Mm. there but like if you think about like other shows it wasn't as much of a thing to like try and make a point because it's almost like like they just thought like oh who cares these kids aren't gonna care yeah, and it's like you have shows like Gossip Girl, right? Which like yes. obviously Gossip Girl is iconic in its own way, but Gossip Girl wasn't like doing anything for society. No offense. Well, it was like, like kind of like superficially, like oh, look at the poor people yeah. and the rich people. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas like uh, you have a show like this, which actually can represent how people are affected. Like Nathan, for example, who's a character in the show, he gets kicked out of home by his parents Mm -hmm. and he doesn't have anywhere to live or any money. So he starts living in the community center, like squatting there. And like, that's a reality for people in those situations. And I think that um, even just having like those as like subtle themes just helps you understand more about people who may be in those type of situations. For sure. And I remember that episode where you find out that he's been kicked out um, and it's because, you know, his mum's kicked him out and his his mum's new new boyfriend is like, you know, basically like the idea is that like she's got a new boyfriend. The boyfriend said he can't, I don't want him here anymore. Like that kind of thing. And yeah. he gets kicked out. And I remember like in such a funny show, a show that like is relatively lighthearted, even though it deals with quite intense things. That was a very hard hitting scene because mm-hmm. he was like crying mm-hmm. and he, like you said, like he's this like very funny, like he's the character that you laugh at the most and he's the one that's mm. never really serious. And yeah. so 
having that scene there, and that was really relatively early on in the season as well, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. Having that scene there really didn't, like, make that thing of, like, some people literally get kicked out of home and they have nowhere to live. And I think in the next scene, he's calling all his friends trying to find a couch just to stay on, and they're all saying, no, we can't, no, we can't, no, we can't. And, yeah. again, it's like – this is the reality for some people. You're so mm-hmm. right. Like there are, is so much social commentary in it that like it's just very powerful considering it was for a relatively young audience. Yeah, yeah. So something else that's cool is that in 2010, Misfits won the BAFTA for Best Drama Series. We Ooh. love that. Congrats <laughs> to Misfits. And I also want to share one of my favorite things about this show, which like I've been in a deep, deep hole for the past 24 hours thinking about watching scenes about this iconic couple that I think is like the best couple in television history. And I've heard honestly, you talk about them already. Like I, I've already heard you talk about them before, so I know exactly what you're about to say. So here's the thing. This is another spoiler alert, but those who have watched Misfits are definitely going to agree with mm-hmm. me. Simon and Alicia is the best character <laughs> development couple icon everything that has ever happened and also the most fucking heartbreaking thing like the oh my god oh my god there's just so much to say this <laughs> couple like as i mentioned at the beginning alicia is like you're very sexually confident outgoing attractive woman and then you have simon who's like this outsider it's like it's your classic love story but the way it goes down is not your classic love story and that's what makes it so iconic because we have time travel elements we have superhero elements we have the fact mm. that there's two simons at once at one point we do love some there's time travel and alternate universe kind of scenarios we love that yes so basically these two characters like sort of start growing together over time which mm-hmm. is really really cool and what I love so much about them is the fact that I feel like they both make each other better people and more confident versions of themselves Mm -hmm. what happens is future Simon comes to the past to you know save current everyone basically (laughs) and no one knows like everyone knows that there is like some kind of guy helping everyone out but no one knows who it is and then Alicia ends up finding out that it's Simon, but it's Simon from the future. And mm. Simon from the future is like, you're going to fall in love with me. And oh she's God. like, no, she's like, absolutely. She's, she's like, like, you'll be uh, in. Why would I do that? Yeah. <laughs> but then that like makes her start seeing current day Simon in a new light. But then she's kind of got like a relationship with two different Simons mm. at two different points and stuff like that. And it's like really, really cool the way this like storyline unfolds and what I also love is like they have an alternate universe uh episode which is set in Nazi Germany Mm. and even in that episode Alicia and Simon are in love it's like no matter where they are in in the universe they're always going to end up together and it's really really beautiful seeing the way this relationship progresses and also so heartbreaking because oh my god Oh my God. What ends up happening is now this might be really confusing for me to explain. So please bear with me. (laughs) But basically future Simon comes back to the present day. Future Simon then dies in Alicia's arms, right? Then Alicia continues her relationship with present day Simon. And then Alicia dies in Simon's arms. And then Simon (laughs) is now future Simon, right? Keeps going through life. Future Simon goes back to present day and we start again i literally have goosebumps all over my Mm. body so like 
the decision made is that by Simon is that it is the beauty that he gets to experience with Alicia and the love that he gets to experience with Alicia is so overwhelmingly beautiful that it is worth living through them both dying on repeat in a continuous time loop forever because that's where their characters are left off is that they're just stuck in a time loop. I literally also have goosebumps. Like, like, yeah, like the idea that like, he's like, you know what? I will live the same reality again and again and again just to be with this person. The writing is just impeccable. Like this Mm. is one of the best storylines I've ever seen in TV ever. And like the way that these couples work together, the way that their relationship unfolds, the way when you start to have this moment where you're like, oh my fucking God, they're just going to be in a time loop and they're just going to keep loving each Mm -hmm. other. And I'm just like completely overwhelmed. It's crazy. I was watching some YouTube videos uh, about this and there are a couple of comments that I want to highlight that kind of like remind me like why I feel this way. Mm-hmm. Someone said, the fact that this is repeating itself in a time loop infinitely, he continues to go back in time to save her. He dies trying to save her. Then she dies. Then he continues to go back in time. Oh. That's literally just what it is. And then someone else said, their relationship was my favorite because it's rather tragic, doomed to experience true love and watch each other die eternally. It's too much. It's too much. It's too much. It's It's both heartbreaking and heartwarming at the exact same time. Exactly. And I just love this show so very much. And this relationship is one of my favorite things about the show. But as well as that, just the relationships between all of the characters. I'm not going to go into detail about the characters that come after this, because honestly, if you're listening to this and you haven't watched Misfits, it's such a good watch. It's a pretty short series with short seasons. And it's really, really well done and I highly recommend checking it out there are so many more characters that they introduce with complex backstories that you learn so much about and seeing the relationships that form between all of these characters and the love they share with each other amongst all of the superhero stuff is really really just so Mm. wonderful and that's why I wanted to talk about it today because I feel like it's one of those shows that when it first came out I was pretty young I appreciated it for what it is but as I get older I'm like oh my god this show is just so so good and so worth watching Uh, and the writing is so good that I it's a pop culture moment for me for that way because it constantly is nagging me to rewatch mm. it at different points in my life. I completely relate. I think you maybe want to rewatch it now. Like I haven't watched it in so many years and like um I remember how much I loved it and how funny it is and I want to rewatch yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Has your boyfriend watched it before? Um I have to ask him. I feel like he hasn't. No. That might be that might be the I'll the ask him rewatch. Tonight. Yeah, I'll ask yeah. him tonight. That's definitely a good idea. I think I also think it is a show that like it doesn't have like one way or another like gender that would be more mm-hmm. likely to enjoy it. Like it's got something for everyone. I agree. I completely agree with you. Yeah. So iconic. Thank anyway, you so that much brings for that. me to the no worries. That brings me to the end of uh, my pop culture made me moment and to the end of today's episode thank you so much for that duck dog and obviously we want to hear you guys' opinion like did you do you like misfits do you like metro station what's what's on your mind pop culture wise give us some ideas you know like tell mm. us in general if you had to be on this podcast episode what would you talk about pop mm-hmm. culture wise what made you we'd, we'd love to hear it um 
And yeah, thank you for listening as always. If you'd like bonus episodes, we do um, bonus episodes every week for our $9 tier on Patreon and twice a month for our $5 tier. You can find the link in our bio. Other than that, we'll be in your ears next week with another public episode. Hope you have a really beautiful week. Thank you so much for being here and for making our podcast possible. We will speak to you next Friday. Stay hot, stay happy. (laughs) Love you. Bye. Bye.